Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. And Jesus is speaking his word to them. And then he speaks of the law, the law of Moses. And he has this to say. Think not that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so also shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But he who does them and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You've heard it was said of old, you shall not kill. Whoever kills shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother shall be, called, shall be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother shall be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, shall be liable to hell, the hell of fire. So if you, you're offering, if, you give, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Make friends quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out till you have paid the last penny. You've heard it was said that you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks on a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and throw it away. It is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of unchastity, makes her an adulteress. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. May God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. Well, let's just go home. <laughs> we, we have to wonder. So here's Jesus saying he is the fulfillment of the law. And the people out there are just regular folks. These aren't holy, upstanding, righteous people. These aren't people who've got it all together. These are people who are there because they don't have it together. And Jesus says, I didn't come to overthrow the law. I came to fulfill it. And everyone is thinking, oh, this is good. This is good. But we can, we just kind of don't have to worry about it. He can, uh, we can just sort of get by. And, um, and then Jesus 
lays it on. He gives us the law with an implacable severity. He gives us a law that that none of us can get out from under. He gives us a law that doesn't even allow any wiggle room at all. And we have to wonder, why would Jesus give us such a hard word, and how do we cope with it? How do we deal with this? How do we we get around this harsh reality that Jesus has presented us with? And what does it mean? What do we do? It seems absolutely, it doesn't seem, it is absolutely impossible. Jesus says he is the fulfillment of the law, and what he says is that the law, as it's given, if we look at that law and try to to figure out just how well we measure up, we begin to give ourselves a grade, and we begin to compare ourselves to one another. And all that does is divide us from one another and ultimately divides us from God because we think that we have achieved some righteousness for ourselves. And that's the kind of stuff that Jesus comes to dismantle. And so he insists that it is not about the law as written per se. It is the law as it impacts our our very heart. Jesus is not overthrowing the law. Yes, we're under grace. But the law is not being overthrown. The law is, is to confront us. It is to stand before us and make us know that we are we are utterly, completely incapable. So Jesus goes to anger. If you're angry with another, it's as good as killing that person or actually murdering that person because the the commandment about killing is actually murdering. If you, and the language in the Greek here is if you call him empty-headed, an idiot. You call your brother or your sister without morals. You are liable to hell. (laughs) Jesus, why so harsh? You're so mean. But Jesus reminds us, he tells us that he wants us to have a, a heart that is transformed. He wants us to have a heart that that gives us a check on reality and that it is not okay to hate one another. It's just not okay. When we're finding ourselves in some kind of a tension or conflict with another, our lives are vectored toward forgiving and getting over it and reconciling, not toward killing that person. So Jesus gives us a direction with this this hatred command. And the direction is toward forgiveness and reconciliation. And so he says, before you you give anything to God, think about it. Get reconciled. Work it out. 
And given the realities of human experience and human beings, fallen as we are, we don't work everything out, but at least we, we move in that direction. And then the adultery thing. I was at Alley Fitness the other day, and I heard two guys in one of the machines, and I heard the God word coming out several times. It was an older guy and a young man. And the young man was, they were in a quite, a, quite a discussion, so I just kind of <laughs> wandered over there and, uh, um, and just sort of got into it. I, I mean, I entered into the conversation. I didn't get into it. I entered into the conversation with him. And so we're talking away, and it was a really a fascinating conversation. The, the one gentleman was about my age talking to this young man, and the young man was really a, a good, bright young man, and he was really grappling with what it means to know God. And then, wouldn't you know, a beautiful young woman and some, you know, walks by, and, and he watched her. And the other guy said, you know, you're not supposed to lust after a woman. And he said, hey, bro, I wasn't lusting, I was just looking. And then he said, young man, very bright young man, but she was beautiful, wasn't she? Yes, she was. And so it's not a matter of, let's face it, women were created last. Women are the most beautiful creations on the planet. And, and they, the work of God in, in a beautiful woman stirs a man's heart, and that's how... That's how babies enter the world. That's how this whole thing keeps going. That's how communities are grounded. And, and, and it is in that, that desire and that recognition. But, but Jesus is saying to, to nurture, to, to nurture lustful thoughts. In other words, to reduce a woman to something that she is not, something less than fully created in the image and likeness of God, to reduce her to a thing that serves me. And Jesus points out clearly that the challenge is that we recognize the full humanity of one another, all of us together. And, and yet this is, again, one of those impossible things to fulfill. Speaking as a man, we can't quite do that right. So in the anger thing, we fail. You know, the lust thing, we fail. And then the divorce thing, it's a, a statement that honors the reality of God's bringing a man to, and woman together. At that time, it was easy for a man to divorce his, his wife. The rabbinic joke is that he, if, he, if, if she burned his toast, she could divorce him. If, she saw, if he saw somebody that he, he thought was more attractive, she could divorce her. He could divorce her. And, and so it was that Jesus makes divorce hard. There has to be unchastity, whatever all that means. It's more than just the breaking of, of the bonds of, of faithfulness. It's, it's un, unfaithfulness toward one another. And so God is being, being, we are being reminded of God's standard for 
the relationship between men and women, which is the, the core of all community around which children come and they need to grow up in a safe and secure home and, and all of that. So when it's all over, and Jesus isn't over, Sermon on the Mount keeps going, but at least at this point, um, <clears throat> I'm wondering if people start leaving. <laughs> you know, I don't believe that it's the business of the church to make people feel guilty. We have a great job. We do a great job doing that ourselves. We, we know, we know in our hearts when we've fouled up. And that's, that's the real message that Jesus gives us, that we know in our heart that we have, we have fouled up, and we are to own that. Have a sober self-evaluation. And not, not look at God as someone who simply winks at all this stuff. He doesn't. And as, as Helmut Thielicke, the great pastor from Germany during the Second World War put it, he said, if, if your encounter with God has not felt severe, then you haven't met him. If when we come in contact with God, we don't experience some severity of us in relationship to him, if we think God is just easy breezy, uh, that he's, and we've got some hymns about, you know, what a friend we have in Jesus, and I believe all that's true, but he's not our pal. He's a friend who has sacrificed all for us. And so what this is really all about, this Sermon on the Mount, and particularly these these redefinitions of what the law means and what the fulfillment of the law means. The fulfillment of the law doesn't make it easier. It makes it absolutely undoable by real people. What it does is it draws us near to this holy other, the holy reality of who God is. Because Jesus came that we would know God that we would be one with the Father even as he is one with the Father. That we would know God with our lives. As I've said several times now, it all boils down. This life for each and every one of us all boils down ultimately to our relationship with God. Everything flows from that. Our relationship with God then defines everything out from there. So Jesus presents to us God in his ineffable holiness. And Jesus himself, that song that we started with, there's no perfect life except one. Jesus himself lived that perfect life. Jesus himself, as God's only son, God allowed his son to take on your sin and mine. God allowed his son to suffer and die so that we might not just be forgiven, and that's not a just, 
but that we would be forgiven and that we would have newness of life, that we would have a sense of joy and purpose and meaning in this life and that we would know that when, when we come to that portal, that on the far side of the veil, we, we find ourselves face to face with our Lord and Savior himself. It sounds so foreign in our world. I mean, I've been watching a show called Heartland. It's about a family in Alberta, Canada. They've got horses and it's just a family. And you know what's so nice about it? There's no bad language. <laughs> there's, no, there's no sex. There's, no, there's none of that stuff that we're getting bombarded with. It's sort of like this message of Jesus has come to us from Saturn or someplace. It's so foreign to our world now. We're just being bombarded with values that are running completely contrary to the stuff that is so simple to know. And that is that we're loved. We're all created in the image and likeness of God. God calls us his children and we are called to love one another, respect one another, uphold one another. Even as the Apostle Paul says, count others better than ourselves. That's a foreign message. And it's a message that Jesus conveys to us so that we might be in relationship with the Father. Toward that end, however difficult it is, and none of us get out of here with our skins today. Toward that end, let us pray. And so, Father, newness of life, because we belong to you, our lives are to carry on your character, reflect the reality of our redemption because of the love that you have first shown to us. We thank you, O Lord, that you have borne the consequences of all of our sin. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.